Well, it's great to be back with you guys again this morning. Um, the uh, last time I was here, last several, well, every other time I've been here, it's been to, uh, to play and lead worship. And so this is, uh, this is a different role for me with you guys. And so I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. Um, our family always just enjoys coming and worshiping with Paris Valley Community Church. And we are blessed to, to have the opportunity to be here. I appreciate Pastor Chris's invitation to, to come and be with you guys while he and his bride are out uh, celebrating 12 years of marriage. So that's... It's exciting. So, um, yeah, be sure to congratulate them. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning, and uh, we'll dive into the Word. Father, we just thank you for the goodness of your Word. We thank you for the goodness of the Gospel. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that, um, God, you are active, you are present in our lives. God, we thank you that um, just as we sang a few moments ago, um, even in, in the low points, God, even when there's pain, when there's hurt, Lord, we can say, blessed be your name, because God, you are great and you are worthy of worship, regardless of what this life is throwing at us. And we know that the victory belongs to Jesus. And because the victory belongs to Jesus, it is ours because the victory was given to us through Christ. So, Lord, we pray that this morning you would speak to us by your word, that you would teach us um, just what it means to be a family, God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Daniel, and uh, this is my wife, Lily, and it's great to be with you guys. Um, this morning, we're going to be looking at the, a topic that um, we talk about a lot, but sometimes I think that we... We, we, we take this to be something of a cliche, something of a metaphor, and, and I think when we look at the scripture, it's much more than that, and that is the fact that the church is a family. Um, and the intent of the Lord to give us, um, the, what he intended to give us through the church whenever he, he created the church. Because you see, next to Christ himself, the church is, the, the family of God is the, is the greatest gift that he has given to you. Um, look at Ephesians as we get started. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. You see, when we talk about being a family, this is not something that Jesus, you know, we, the, we say the church is like a temple. And by, by that, we are not referring to the building. We're referring to the members. I want to be clear about that. Um, the scripture says that in the Old Testament, God dwelled in the temple. Okay, So the presence of God dwelled in the temple that was built first by King Solomon, uh, and then um, it was later torn down, and then it was rebuilt several times. But the, the presence of God dwelled in the Old Testament. It dwelled in the temple that, that was made for him by his people. 
But then Jesus came, and the scripture says that God was pleased to have the fullness of God dwell in Christ. So um, God was not living in the temple, but rather in Christ, indwelling Christ himself, uh, showing up, filling who he, um, Christ being the, the, the God, the Son, brought to us the, the fullness of God in, in a representation that, that we could understand, um, becoming man like one of us. And then the scripture says in Acts chapter 2 that, well, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is, is ascending into heaven and he says that he is going back, that, that he, the disciples are to pray and they are to wait for the, for the Holy Spirit who he will send. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 indwells every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ. And since that time, God has never dwelled in a building again but in the people, in his church, in his family. And so the scripture teaches us that the church is like a temple because God dwells in it and, this is, and um, that he inhabits the praise of his people. And the scripture tells us that the church is like a body, that, that we, are, we are members one of another. But the church over and over and over, the most oft-used uh, expression of what the church is, is family in the New Testament. And so this morning, what I want us to see is what it means when we say that we're a family, because we are family. We're a gospel family doing life on mission together. John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13 says this, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So you see, number one, the first thing I want to point out, if we back up to verse 11, it says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But then verse 12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So number one, not every person who is born is part of the family of God. Not every person who is born is part of the family of God. Only those who follow Jesus Christ, only those who accept him, according to the word of God, only those are the ones who have the right to be called the children of God. And so if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, then the scripture says that you have the right to be called his son or daughter. And the scripture says they are, not re they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You see, God has birthed you into his family. One of the things that we learn from this and one of the things that we learn from other passages of Scripture is that it is not God's intent for you to do the Christian life alone. It is not his idea for any of us to do the Christian life alone. You'll hear people say, uh, well, the only one I need is God. That may be true in, depending on the context of what you're talking about, but overall that is not true. The scripture teaches very clearly that God intended us to dwell in relationship with him and with each other. So the idea of Jesus and me is kind of the, the same romantic idea that we, we see in movies of us against the world, you know, the kind of the, the, that it's just me and Jesus or that it, it's, and the problem with that is that Jesus created us with a need for one another. It's really interesting to me that the first thing that God says is not good. He says in Genesis, look back, if you look back at Genesis 1, 
He goes through, he creates everything that is, and each thing that he creates, he says, and behold, it was good. Behold, it's good. Genesis 2, he says something is not good. You know what it is? He says it's not good for man to be alone. And then he creates Eve. Isn't it interesting? Because this is before sin. This is before there was anything, that there, this is before sin had broken in, this is before our brokenness had, had been, become as a result of the fall, and God already had the ability, God was already there with man. There was a perfect relationship between God and man, but God said it's not good for man to be alone, and so he creates Eve, and this was the birth of the family, and then through, and I believe that this principle extends to the church family. God doesn't intend for you to live the Christian life alone. Doing life alone is not an option under Christ's rule as king. You see, if you look back at the the teaching of Scripture, when Jesus came, he he announces that he is king. He He comes announcing the gospel of the kingdom, the Scripture says. Well, what is that talking about? Well, all throughout the Old Testament... Specifically in the prophets, God had prophesied that he would send a king. Look back at the book of Isaiah, that's, it's extremely prominent there. That he would send a king. And we know that that king is Christ. And Christ has created the family of God. As we think about the, the Christ being king, the kingdom of God is one of those doctrines, it's one of those, those teachings that is central to all of Scripture. If you're going to look at, at, the, at the meaning of the gospel, Jesus comes and says, again, proclaiming the, the gospel of the kingdom. And so the kingdom of God, uh, from start of the Bible to the end of the Bible, the, the mission of God is to establish his kingdom and to, to, to redeem us from the fall and to, to create of us a kingdom that reflects the goodness and greatness and the glory of all that is God. And so he has created his family to reflect that kingdom. You see, the church exists um, to point to the kingdom of God. So one of the things that we do, one of the, the primary parts of our mission is to point to Jesus himself and say Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way of salvation. And so we point to Jesus as a church, but then we live as an expression of what that kingdom looks like. Because here's the thing. If I come to you and I tell you that, you know, I've got this business plan that's going to make you wealthy and that's going that's gonna, to that's gonna help you to, to, to have, it's going to pay all your bills, it's going to help you to have a better life. And then you look at my life and you find that, that uh, I'm, I'm late on my rent, uh, my car's been repossessed in the last month, um, how likely are you to try my business plan? Not very likely, right? <laughs> no, right? Because <laughs> I'm not living what I'm teaching, right? Well, here's the thing. If we're pointing to Jesus and we're saying he is the way, Jesus is king, and that in Jesus we find life, that we find joy, that we find purpose, then as a church we need to reflect that life, that joy, and that purpose. Because if we don't, If we're not reflecting that, then how will a world that doesn't see what we're teaching come to believe in the Jesus that we're pointing to? 
And so the kingdom of God, the, the family, the church family is to live as an expression of the, king, of the kingdom of Christ. So Jesus is king, and we live in his kingdom now. Um, I want to clarify this just a little bit because we, we know that the kingdom of Christ is coming, right? There is a sense in which it is not yet here because we look at the book of Revelation, we look at end time, we look at the fact that one day, and this is the promise of scripture, one day Jesus Christ will return for his church. And when he does, the scripture says that he will wipe every tear from our eyes, that there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, that we will dwell with God, that, that, that there won't even need, be a need for a son any longer because God himself will be the light. So the, we will dwell in the presence of Christ and what a wonderful day that's going to be. So the kingdom is coming. But also the scripture says that the kingdom is now. Jesus himself said that the kingdom is now. And so what does that mean? Um, well, here's just a little bit of an understanding of that. So how many of you are Costco members? Costco members, raise your hands. Sam's Club? It's always a war between the... And some of us are both. <laughs> um, here's the thing. When I was a kid, okay, we didn't have Costco where I grew up. I grew up in Louisiana. And we didn't have Costco, but we did have Sam's Club. My parents had a Sam's Club membership, and we loved to go to Sam's Club. And it wasn't about the stuff we were buying. It was about those wonderful little tables they had set up at the end of the aisles. You know what I'm talking about? They got the microwave there or the grill or whatever it is, and they're grilling it up and they're cutting it up and they're putting it out, little samples of food. We could eat a whole meal just walking around the store, right? I am convinced that that's where the Tide Pod Challenge came from. Somebody walked up and grabbed the wrong sample and popped it in their mouth. So, it's <laughs> well, here's the thing. When you go to Costco or Sam's Club and you get one of those samples, you get a taste of what is in the box, right? I mean, that's how they're trying to sell you the food. Now, they're not showing you a picture of what's on the box. That's not the way that they're selling it to you. And they're not giving you something that tastes kind of like it. They're giving you a piece of what's in the box. The church is to be a sample of the kingdom of Christ. Does that make sense? You guys with me? So... When the, when the world looks at us, when the world relates to us, when they interact with us, they're not getting a picture. We're not just pointing at what's coming, and they're not getting something that's kind of like the kingdom of Christ. They're getting to a small taste of what the kingdom of Christ is. And so that is an understanding of the doctrine of the kingdom. So when we think about that, we need to recognize that being part of Jesus' kingdom shapes everything about what we are and what we do, who we are and what we do. So just like being part of a, a, a culture or an ethnic background shapes the way you do uh, many of life's rhythms, um, everything from the food that you eat, the music that you listen to, the clothes that you wear, all these types of things have to do with, in great part, where you grew up, right? And the language that you spoke, the people around you, those types of things. What you consider normal, people on other parts of the world consider to be very weird, right? Because you're shaped by the culture that you're in. Well, the scripture tells us that being part of Jesus' kingdom should be the thing that shapes us. So, Jesus doesn't come in as part of your life. He comes in and transforms every part of your life. 
So, for example, and this is the best example I can give. Scripture points to it, and I think, I think that this is truly the best example we have. Marriage, okay? So when I married my wife, um, that changed the way I eat. It changed the way I sleep. It changed where I, where I live. It changed the way I do laundry. changed the way I drive. I should say it changed the way she does laundry, because... I don't do laundry that often, maybe as often as I should. Um, I share everything with Lily. Everything about life gets shared with her, and in some way, in the same way, the way that we do life with Jesus ought to be shaped, every part of our life ought to be shaped by that. Now, can you imagine if when I was proposing to her, I had said, look, you know, I want you in my life, but I really kind of like my life the way it is. So I tell you what, you and I will get married and we will hang out on Sundays. And then Monday through Saturday, I'm going to do my thing because I like my life the way, but I, but I really want you, very important, you get one day out of seven. That's a lot of days. How likely do you think she would have been to marry me? Not likely, right? And with reason. In the same way, Jesus didn't, when, when you came to Jesus, that's, he didn't just want your Sunday. He wants to be part of your everyday. So being part of God's family changes, should change the way that I live. So this is where this extends, and we start to bring in the fact that we're, we're part of a larger family. So continuing with the marriage analogy, um, the way my life rhythms are done changed again very dramatically when we had kids. How many of you are parents or uncles or aunts? Or, yeah, most of us, right? Some small child in your life somewhere. So the way you live changes when you have kids. Uh, we needed a bunch of new stuff when Alicia was born. Um, we needed crib, car seat, stroller, diaper pail. God bless the one who invented the diaper pail. Um, this changed the way we do meals, the way we travel. It, it, it gave us someone else that we had to consider every waking moment. And from the time we get up to the time we get, go back to bed, everything is changed by being part of a family. So in the same way, when you come to Christ and you become part of his family, being part of this family changes the way you do life. And hear me when I say you cannot do life with Jesus excluded from his family. You cannot do life with Jesus excluded from his family. One of the, the biggest parts of this is recognizing that the Lord has given us the, the local body of, of Christ and that throughout the New Testament, and this is, this is important, Throughout the New Testament, we see the, the word church used a lot. Do you know that you can count on one hand? Yeah, probably one, maybe both, but probably one hand. The number of times that the word church is used, and it's used to refer to the universal church, the global church. Most of the time in the New Testament, the word church is used to refer to the local body 
the local church. What that tells us is that the local church is very important to God. God expects us to to be part of a local church. Um, The book of Acts is our example for this. Um, And every local church is to be the active expression of the global church. So when we look at the local church, we ought to see, again, a sample of what's going on in the body of Christ worldwide. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But we were made for each other. And to deny your relationship to Christ's family is, in a sense, to deny your relationship with Christ himself. 1 John 5, 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. See, that's important. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. You can't come to me and say, Daniel, I love you, but I don't like your kids, and I'm not hanging out with them. We ain't going to have good words. So, um, God gave his son to set apart a people, us, for himself, and we are blessed to be part of that people. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 says this. God for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus, the one who makes holy, the, the one he made, the, I'm sorry, let me back up, verse 11. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I, proclaim, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. So you see, the scripture teaches us that God is our father and Jesus is our older brother. And we are joint heirs. We are co-heirs. That means we share in the inheritance of Christ himself. Furthermore, Jesus prayed that we be one. John chapter 17, verse 20. John 17, verse 20 through 26. It says, I am praying not only for those disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Now, I want you to catch this, because this is the part of Scripture where Jesus prays for us. So prior to this, in this, in this chapter, he's been praying for, the, for all of the disciples that, that were following him presently. And then in verse 20, he says, not just them, Father, but also all who will believe on me through their message. Well, who's that? Us, we came to Christ because of the message of the apostles. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wow. Jesus prayed that we would know that the Father loves us as much as, it loves, as, as the Father loves him. Isn't that amazing? Verse 24. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. 
And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So the oneness that we as a, as a body, we as a church, are to experience is, number one, a reflection of the gospel. There's another passage where the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says that there are no more um, Jews nor Greeks, slaves nor free, um, male nor female, but all are one in Christ. And the, and the point that he is making is that we are unified, that there is no, there's no hierarchy, there's no exclusion of classes, there's no um, different groups that are to be divided because we are unified through Christ. And so Jesus makes us one, and then it's an essential component to our witness to the lost world. Check out what he says in um, verse 23 of John 17. He says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. How? How will the world know that? By our unity by our oneness, by our family. And Jesus even said in another place, he said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. So the mark of a disciple is love. So growth in unity together as a church is essential to our growth in Christ. Catch that. If you're gonna grow closer to Jesus, you have to grow closer to the family. You cannot keep the church at arm's length without keeping Jesus at arm's length. Check this, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Ephesians 4, verses 13 to 16. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says this, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So what, what's the standard? What are we growing into? We're growing into Christ himself. We're, we're, we're going to look like Christ. We're going to reflect Christ in who we are. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be um, influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So catch that. As we grow together, as we grow together, we start, God has made us all different. We all have different gifts. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different insights. This is one of the reasons that I love small group Bible studies. See, um, here, in the, and there's nothing wrong with preaching a sermon. I, th- I, I, I love to preach. It's, it's fun. Um, but the, the truth is that even in small group Bible study, we, you don't just hear from me, or you don't hear, just hear from Pastor Chris. You hear from each other. You see, as a body, we're supposed to share together. See, I need to hear what you have to say as much as you need to hear what I have to say. And I need your gifts as much as you need my gifts. You see, each one of us were given gifts so that we could use them to build the body up. And as we grow together in unity, scripture says, the more we grow together, 
the more the world can see Jesus. And as we do that, then our relationship together, we become dependent on one another. In that passage in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that we're all going to, as each part of the body does what it's supposed to do, then we grow together. Well, what does that mean? It means I need each of you to, to fill your role, just like you need me to fill my role, right? So we need each other to do what we're supposed to do, because it's only when that happens that we can continue to grow. And so our relationship then as a family is defined by who we are responsible to and who, are we, who we are responsible for. Who we are responsible to and who we are responsible for. This is why we have a local church. This is why it's important to belong to a local church. And hear me when I say, I'm not saying don't get teaching from other churches. That's wonderful. I love the fact that we live in a day where I can listen to great men of God who, who teach in other parts of the world and I can, I can benefit from their knowledge. And, I can, and, and we can cooperate together. It's so much easier to go on mission together. By the way, this church is a Southern Baptist church. And we cooperate together on missions. Um, so I pastor a church called Grace Alive Church in Rancho Cucamonga. Paris Valley Community Church is located here in Paris. Well, when Paris gives an offering and Grace Alive gives an offering, part of both of those offerings come together in our missions, in our work together on mission. So we cooperate together and we, we accomplish so much more. And I love the fact that we live in a day where we're able to do that so easily because in centuries past, it wasn't so easy. But we live in a day where we can, we can cooperate together and we can learn from one another, from people, brothers and sisters all over. But brothers and sisters, hear me, it's important to know where your local family is. Because if you don't, then you don't know who you're responsible to and who you're responsible for. This is what Scripture teaches us. This is why we have a local church. And so we're, we're to grow together in unity within that local body in order to look like Jesus. When Paul wrote this to Ephes in Ephesians 4, he's writing to the church that is in Ephesus. So we get it by way of them, and so it gets passed to every church, and that's a wonderful thing, but the truth is that it's applied within the local body. So we grow together in unity in order to look like Jesus. Within God's universal family, he intends for each of us to be active participants within a local church as our local family. These are the people that we're responsible to and responsible for, and these are the people I get to practice the one another, of, of, the one another passages of Scripture with. These are people I build trust with and I have accountability with and that I'm accountable to as they do life with me. So, for example, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the pastor of Grace Alive Church and that means that my life is defined by the way that I do life with the members of that local church in the same way that my life is defined by doing life with Lily and my children. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? So think about it. So going back to our marriage analogy, I never left it. Um, it'd be really hard for me to honor my marriage without considering how I should be doing life with my kids, right? So can you imagine this? Lily and I have kids, 
And that's not hard to imagine, but imagine this. I go to her and I say, you know what? I'm really, I'm just kind of tired of, of, of being a dad. But I really love being married to you. So what I want to know, can, would you take care of the kids? You do everything with them, and I'll come home after they've gone to bed. I'm going to leave before they get up, and then I'll come. We can go out on dates and stuff like that, but I don't want anything to do with, with these kids. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't, re- she wouldn't respond very well to that, and I don't blame her. Guys, that's the same thing that we do whenever we say we want to do life with Jesus, but we're, but we're tired of our local church, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna back out. We're going to back away from being part of our local church. And we miss the blessing. There's no greater blessing in my life than being dad to those two kids. I can't imagine my life without them. In the same way, I've grown to love my church, my church family in such a way, I can't imagine life without my church family. In the same way, God cares that we build a relationship and love one another within the church. Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. James gives the example of the brother. In in the book of James, he gives the example of a brother who comes and knocks on the door. and And you can see that this brother is hungry and he's cold. He doesn't have proper clothing. And James talks about, he says, how terrible would it be to look at that brother and say, go brother, be warmed and filled and shut the door. No, I'm responsible to my brother. I'm responsible for my brother. And if there's a need that I can meet in his, his life or in, in the life of one of my sisters, I need to, to be about that. Scripture tells me to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I need to rejoice with my brothers and sisters and weep with my brothers and sisters when they're in pain. So we depend on one another. We need one another. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. It is with the body of, so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body, one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. So if you look at this, it's God himself who unifies us as the expression of his family as a church. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. 1 Corinthians 12. Verses, verse, beginning in verse 12, he says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. I'm sorry, I'm reading the passage I just read. <laughs> Continue forward in verse 14. Um, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? You see, we talked about the difference that there are between us as as members of God's family. 
These are unique aspects to who each of us are, but they don't pull us away from being who we are in God's family. In fact, the differences between who we are are the uniqueness that adds value to my role and your role within the body of Christ. And so as we, as we come together, if you, if, you, if you ever feel like, you know what, well, I, I, don't, I don't serve in that ministry, so I'm really not that important. Or you know what, I can skip church this morning because eh, nobody will really miss me if I'm not there. It's not true. We need you. We need you here. We need your gifts. We need, we need you. We need to experience the uniqueness of who Jesus is in you. Sometimes our emotions play tricks on us, but the truth is that you are valuable. You are needed and you belong in the family. Verse 17 says, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body it would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. So our diversity is intended by God and makes his family beautiful and functional. The gospel is, more ex- is expressed more clearly because of our differences. Because of the way God made you, Jesus shows up here in a unique way because you are part of the family. It's like a diamond with lots of different sides. Verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say, uh, can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. You don't see my kidneys. My body hides them real well. I need my kidneys, right? And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together that such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity, These, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. You see, as a family, we're joined together. We are intricately connected like parts of a body. If I cut off my finger, my whole body feels it. And the finger dies. So together, we're connected and we do life together, experiencing the life that Jesus has for us as a family. So I want to encourage you this morning. You are valuable in the family of God. You are valuable in the family of Paris Valley Community Church. And Jesus has placed you here as a part of his family. Grow together. Love one another. Share Jesus together. Let's pray.